This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martorano, and we're here to talk about, in very broad terms, behavioral health, which covers a lot of ground for sure, Uh, substance abuse being one of them, and and mental health issues uh, in particular. Recovery Radio is sponsored by Retreat Behavioral Health, and we'll have more about them a little bit later down the road. We've uh, This is a topic we wanted to get to for quite a bit now. Uh, it has never been more uh, important than uh, now to take note of and take care of the mental and physical safety and well-being of the nation's school children for all the obvious reasons. We're going to get deeply into all of that straight ahead with our guests on the telephone who joins us from Philadelphia. Roe Lagan is our guest. Mr. Lagan works with, through, I should say, something called the Pennsylvania Commission of Crime and Delinquency. He is the director of their Safe Schools program. He is the advocate for safe schools and the students who are involved in all of that. So it's a big job, and we've got a lot of questions for our guest, Roe Lagan. Mr. Lagan, thanks for joining us on Recovery Radio. Thank you, Steve, for, for having me. Um, we appreciate you inviting us on the air uh, today to discuss this very um, important topic of uh, of uh, violence and uh, bullying, as well as the mental health of our young people in schools. So explain for for people who might not know what the uh, PCCD is about. Sure. Um, Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency is um, a state agency that uh, was created basically to um, respond to issues dealing with our criminal justice system, um, juvenile justice system. Um, It's really the uh, premier criminal justice agency in the state, and they focus on focuses on um, issues of uh, child advocacy, uh, victim advocacy. They also uh, uh, provide the funding for uh, victim advocacy agencies throughout uh, throughout the state. Um, they focus on policy and research um, as well. Mm-hmm. You are the director of their of their uh, safe schools program. You're. You're the advocate for for this, the safe school advocate. Um, tell us about that role. Uh, sure. Um, the Office of Safe Schools Advocate um, is a office that is uh, formally housed under the Department of Education when we, we it was first uh, created in two thousand um, two thousand, and then uh, it transitioned to to. Uh, Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency in 2011 because um, the mission closely aligned to the mission of PCCD. And so what our office is physically housed in the school district uh, central administration office in Philadelphia. And what, we, what we're tasked with is, um, is uh, basically monitoring the uh, incidents of violence that's, that's reported to the district and ultimately, ultimately reported uh, to the Department of Education. We also uh, advocate on behalf of individual victims of school violence, either in school or on the way to or from school. How, let's, be, let's begin with some, I, I'm sort of in the role of asking the dumb and obvious questions, but I will. Um, 
why do school children or, or why does a situation like safe schools need an advocate in the first place? Is this a relatively new initiative that you guys are taking? How long has advocacy for something like this been around? Well, our, our office has been around um, since uh, 2000, so I guess that's 19 years now. And so, um, I mean, the, uh, the, the school district has um, roughly almost, if you include uh, the traditional public schools as well as, as, well as charter schools, there's 200,000 um, students uh, within that system. So anytime you have a system that large, um, issues such as uh, violence will arise. And so uh, in order to assist the families who we uh, serve, our, our, our families who are, are attending and students who are attending, our students who are attending our schools, we have an office like this so that um, they don't ultimately fall through the cracks in terms of receiving uh, support. Taking care of the health and well-being and safety of two of, of your, you know, three kids in, in your house is a daunting enough task. Two hundred thousand, uh, the mind, the mind reels. Uh, one of the things I think people may not be completely familiar with is the sort of, in your case, how how a system like this would work and what, what's an advocate's office do. If a kid is having a problem in school, I guess historically they would either keep it to themselves or maybe talk talk to a teacher and hope they got some help. It's not exactly like that. The students have rights, don't they, it, with, with regard to their safety and well-being? Absolutely. Uh, uh, students, uh, ultimately, they, they have the right to uh, be safe and be able to, uh, when they enter a school building, they, they're supposed to be protected. That's traditionally been a safe place for, um, for a student. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, we've been, you know, there's there's cases where that's not necessarily um, the case, and we all hear uh, about stories of uh, uh, and, and, uh, violent acts that, that occur. And so, an office like ours, uh, we're able to uh, respond to those issues and then advise um, a family of the rights that they have to have an uh, advocate accompany them to disciplinary hearings. Um, we also make sure that um, the school district is in compliance with uh, or following the policies that they have in place uh, in order to p- protect uh, young people while they're um, on school campuses. Yeah, we know what gets the, the publicity today, and that is the larger, more horrific events the mass shootings um, that are all too common. I want to save a little bit of that uh, notion of violence and the trauma associated with with it straight ahead. But with regard to a school system like the Philadelphia school system, uh, there there are, I guess, unique problems to an urban school setting uh, that might not be the same as something in a suburban uh, setting. What are some of the things that are unique with regard to being a you know, safe school advocate in a big city program. Sure, um, I think uh, in Philadelphia, like our issue um, uh, of violence tends to be a little um, unique in the sense that um, a, a lot of the issues we see are day-to-day interpersonal acts of violence, um, and 
when we look at bullying, uh, we tend to look at bullying from um, a perspective of um, being teased or um, or name calling or things of that, but it also manifests itself in the form of physical violence as well. And so we tend to see uh, much more of that on a day-to-day basis in a large city like Philadelphia. And so it's actually um, tends to be the violence is more pervasive um, versus if you're comparing it to some of the national headlines that right. we um, tend to see. Right, right. To, uh, to what extent are the, are the, I guess you're talking about your garden variety uh, in-classroom dust-ups that can occur either between students and teachers or most often probably students among themselves. When does that go beyond the teacher's ability to just straighten it out right there and fall in your lap? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm having a little trouble with the phone system here. Okay. I'll, I'll try again. When does an issue of bullying or violence in the classroom, which probably goes on every day, as you just said, on a, on a, on a smaller scale, when does it move and rise to the level of your, your office? When would you get involved if there's something that happens in the classroom? We typically typically uh, get involved in, uh, in, in in a situation when families are frustrated and feel as feel feels as as though a school district um, or a school building, a school administrator isn't handling um, or responding to an incident that that have occurred in a classroom. Uh, so we receive our referrals. Uh, we receive our clients through uh, word of mouth. Uh, we also distribute uh, literature and brochures, and they find out about our office. And so uh, they'll come into a, our office, and we'll do a client intake, and they'll tell us all about the incidents that, that have occurred, and then we're able to respond and uh, respond appropriately, get in contact with the uh, school entity and kind of learn a little bit more about the incident. We also receive our incidents um, from uh, from the school district who will, uh, they report the incidents. Well, they send us the incidents that are reported. However, um, if a client comes in, uh, the incident may be reported or may not be reported, but um, we'll, we're able to respond that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually get involved when a, a family feels as though um, enough action hasn't been uh, taken place or measures has not been set up in order to keep their child safe. Our, our guest on the telephone is uh, Ro Ligon, Ligon uh, Jr. He is the safe school advocate for the Philadelphia school system, working through the uh, Pennsylvania Commission on Crime and Delinquency. Um, we're going we're to take a real quick break now, but very quickly. I know delinquency is not per se something your office deals with, but what's the relationship between for instance, bullying and delinquency. If somebody's, if somebody's being bullied, do they tend not to come to class or school? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm take a quick shot because I can't uh, hear everything. But I think you asked me was what the relationship was yes. between mm-hmm. uh, delinquency and bullying. Sure, um, I know, and you mentioned uh, interest of uh, a uh, uh, point that you mentioned just now. I think I heard you say. Um, if young people tend to come to school, I know um, bullying and working with our families, 
Um, a lot of times, hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. A lot of times, uh, our families will express the hesitancy of um, sending their um, children back to school. And so, of course, uh, if a student isn't going to uh, to school, a lot of issues uh, can arise in terms of um, maybe the young person becoming truant um, and um, and that behavior further escalating and becoming more serious and maybe uh, resulting in dropout. And so um, that's some of the things that, you know, uh, sometimes or could possibly um, result. Uh, Rolagon Jr., safe school advocate for the Philadelphia school system. Our guest, we have more with him straight ahead. This is Recovery Radio. Please stick around. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martorano with you. Uh, we're talking about safe schools. And to that end, we have uh, welcomed on the program Ro Ligon. He is the safe school advocate in the Office of Safe Schools for uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, City of Philadelphia. Um, Ro has been telling us uh, what, what the unique features involved now in, in this critical time, I think, in our in our uh, society with keeping kids uh, safe and, uh, me- you know, mentally uh uh, balanced in um, in in their school life, uh, Ro. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about bullying specifically. Now, certainly there is the standard: the big kid picking on the weaker or smaller kid um, in a physical or even just a verbal kind of way. There are other forms of bullying that go on now that are unique to our moment, uh, to the moment we live in. Talk a little bit about uh, what happens when someone's being bullied online. Do you guys get involved in that? Uh, certainly. Um, certainly um, the answer to that question is yes, we will um, respond to, uh, to all forms of, uh, we say bullying, uh, you say bullying, but I, I call it a form of um of uh, dysfunctional behavior. I mean, bullying is defined at the school dis- district um, as intentional, electronic, written, verbal, nonverbal, psychological, or physical acts of, of, of violence directed to another student. Um, but to be clear, bullying is a type of dysfunctional behavior, whether it's labeled bullying or not. Um, it's all behavior needing a pro- proactive prevention as well as an effective response. And so many times today, um, social media is uh, very much um, involved in, um, in in how students are um, choosing to, to bully others. And so um, that can come in the form of uh, harass- harassing individuals um, on uh, social media or um, or uh, posting embarrassing photos um, on social media. Many times there's uh, group assaults or fights that will happen, and uh, and that that video will ultimately end up on social media and sent to a whole classroom. And so part of the issue today is that bullying isn't just um, confined to the school because of the uh, prevalence of social media in our society, that problem now comes home with the student. And also, if a student chooses to leave the school and go all the way across the city, um, they're still reminded because um, that image is just um, omnipresent. It's there with them all the time. And so um, sometimes 
whereas in the past, um, sometimes students would be able to come home and have a sense of relief. Um, it's oftentimes um, it's still, you know, lingering there um, for the student uh, when they get home and if they actually move and go to another neighborhood. Yeah, it is the most striking, I think, difference between other generations of school children and what, what these kids are confronted with, as you just pointed out. The, the, you know, the, the social the social pressures on young people are have been around forever. They're trying to find their place, the group they fit in, you know, how they should behave. But when they left school and their peer group, there was that, you know, respite. They could go home and be just a kid around the house. Right. Those days are over. These, you know, these kids are under 24-7 pressure to fit in. Mm-hmm. So with with regard, we understand harassment and, and all of that. But when does this stuff, and your office is principally responsible for making this determination, when does standard teasing or... The, the sort of stuff that goes on forever. When does that sort of behavior, either online or, or in person, cross the line into a problem that has to be confronted? Is, is there a bright line, or is every case different? Yeah, I think for for the most part, um, each instance um, that we receive, it's, it all has um, unique factors. And so um, we're not the one that we're not the office or our office doesn't necessarily classify um, an incident when it comes in. It's already given a classification or a code um, before it comes to our office. Um, However, what we do in our office is focus on the specific behavior. And so if there's in our, uh, when a client comes in and if there's an intake, uh, they'll give us the facts in terms of what's happening, what is occurring. And we try to uh, develop um, a plan in partnership with the school in order to keep that young person safe. So it's, it really depends on the facts of the, of the situation. Yeah. I don't think that um, any issue um, is too small or too large. If this is something, uh, an issue of violence or bullying or whatever we call it, and it's affecting a young person, then I think it's worthwhile to uh, address that behavior so that it wouldn't, it won't affect uh, their academic performance or their uh, psychological or mental health. Mm-hmm. As a safe school advocate, you need partners in determining the size of the problem. I would imagine. Who are some right. of the people? Who are some of the people who you rely upon? I'm sure teachers and, and whatever. What's the parents' role in this? Can they reach out to you and say, "Look, here's what's going on with my kid." Absolutely. Um, we, we, we do uh, rely on um, parents. I mean, they have a very important um, role in terms of um, making sure that they are documenting, properly documenting uh, anything that or any incidents that occur with their child, um, that they're also um, being sure to follow, follow through with the uh, policies and the mechanisms set in place uh, by the school district, so um, they have a, a role to play. We also uh, heavily rely on community members and stakeholders um, in order to share uh, information with us that we may not necessarily uh, be aware of, but that we can also respond to. And also, uh, we host 
um, regional um, calls as well um, for state community stakeholders as well as law enforcement to um, get on the line just to uh, just to be preventative and, and talk about different uh, issues that school communities are having. So, um, I mean, this thing is um, an issue where we need full pr- participation across the board, including school administrators, school administration, uh, law enforcement, um, community leaders, parents, as well as uh, government. We're talking about safe schools on Recovery Radio. We have more with our guests straight ahead. Please don't go away. This is Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Bartorano with you. Um, We will return to our guest and our uh, topic on safe schools straight ahead. But I want to remind you that this whole thing is underwritten and supported by Retreat Behavioral Health. They uh, they handle that broad range of issues of mental health issues and substance abuse as well. They have a sterling reputation. They've helped lots and lots of people. And I tell you this all the time on this uh, on the program here. They uh, have a great reputation. You can check them out for yourself. They sponsor this program as an informational and educational tool. They're not here to tell you they're the only people that can help you. They're here to get you the information so you can figure out who the people are that can help you. I'm going to give you their phone number. I guarantee you that whatever questions you may have about the issue of mental health or substance abuse, you'll find someone on the other end of the line here from Retreat that will help you get the answers you need. 855-859-8808 is how you reach them. Retreat Behavioral Health, 855-859-8808. Zero eight. We've been talking about school safety, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program. It's probably never been more uh, important, certainly never more um, in the news than creating a safe and and nurturing and healthy uh, schoolroom environment in an increasingly, vi- unfortunately, violent world. To that end, we've been speaking with the director of Philadelphia Safe, safe School Program, their advocate, and that's a, a Ro Lagan, he's been with us, and we're talking about that. Ro, let's let's uh, spend some time getting deeper into the issue, the you know the six hundred pound um, elephant in the room, and and that is the you know, actual violence that we have seen in in the nation's schools. Uh, I realize that as a percentage of um, the population, school shootings are a rarity, but they're so traumatic, they're so devastating, so lethal that they become a sort of motif for the whole issue of violence in school. Tell us about uh, Philadelphia, for instance, a big, big school, 200,000 students, and what kinds of things you guys do on a routine basis to make sure no tragedy, no violence occurs in the city of Philadelphia? Um, sure. Uh, so, uh, f- fortunately... Um, Philadelphia has not experienced um, any of those those issues that you just spoke about um, that we too often see in the national media of uh, school shootings um, and, and, and in that sense. However, uh, uh, we do have our share of, uh, of what we'll, we'll call them serious violent incidents because it is a form of violence. Um, but uh, up until this point, we have not had anything, and we pray to God that, that you know, that doesn't happen. Uh, we, uh, there has been measures that um, the uh, state has taken in order to ensure 
that all students are safe in school, uh, not only in Philadelphia, but in, in Pennsylvania. The uh, governor, Tom Wolf, he established the School Safety and Security co uh, Committee, which was responsible ultimately for distributing um, $60 million in, uh, in, in, in grants uh, throughout the state. Uh, Philadelphia received $2.8 million in, in grants to address um, the issues of uh, violence through um, trauma-informed professional development and also uh, some other supports as well. We mentioned earlier that one of the more striking differences between this generation of school children and other generations in the past was social media and the 24-hour uh, nature of uh, tr you know of all of that the pressures that brings to it but but this other issue of violence whether it's on an individual basis uh, or or on a, on a mass scale is a brand new phenomenon kids in this country um are growing up uh, with the awareness that other places people have been killed in their classroom Do, does philadelphia have lockdown procedures and active shooter procedures in place already? Uh, Philadelphia does have uh, procedures um, in place uh, for the unfortunate event that, that does occur. Um, they do have um, lockdown drills that they implement at the school level uh, once per year. Um, that's the requirement that the state gives. Um, that they, they do practice these drills. Mm -hmm. What role do the uh, Philadelphia Police Department play in safe schools? Are they in the schools uh, routinely? How does that work? Uh, Philadelphia um, police are um, very supportive of the school district in terms of uh, the, uh, safety and violence uh, uh, goals. They, they also employ, uh, they utilize, they call it uh, school beat officers who uh, will support schools after school uh, in the neighborhood. They aren't um, stationed inside of schools, though. We have school police um, that are housed inside of the schools, but they communicate with um, PPD and often are on the scene for uh, dismissal time and arrival time. So, so there are no uniformed Philadelphia police routinely in the schools of Philadelphia? They, they're in uh, available. Um, they aren't housed. Philadelphia police aren't housed inside of the schools. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're available. They're in the neighborhood. They're in the community. They're outside of the school um, oftentimes, um, but they're not positioned inside of the school. Yeah, I'll bet you that's a conscious uh, decision. Um, I'm from the generation that routinely practiced duck and cover. Which for those youngins out there don't don't know what I'm talking about. That was a drill you routinely had when I was in grammar school, where you were told mm -hmm. to get under your desk in case of a thermonuclear <laughs> exchange. Um, but but you know I don't think that generation of young people were traumatized by that notion. It seems so abstract. I mean we we knew that it could happen, but it just seemed very abstract. These kids live under the real threat and trauma of uh, of. Of violence, it, it's a real thing for them, isn't it? C certainly, um, certainly. La I mean, last year um, there was were over five thousand serious incidents reported. Um, over nine hundred of those were assaults, and we we also had 
a sheer amount of weapons that um, were found either on the way to uh, school or uh, in school. So, I mean, the perception um, is, is definitely um, there and it's something that's filled by uh, students. You know, we've been talking about safe schools in the context of physical violence or, or social media b- bullying um, and not paid much attention to the uh, emotional or mental health um, damage that can be done in this environment. Does your office have a role in, in uh, making sure people who are victim to this stuff get the kind of mental health counseling they need? Yes, we um, we we all uh, we partner with um, with a lot of the uh, behavior health um, agencies that exist in order to support young people after uh, after a violent incident has occurred. Uh, we also make referrals to the uh, number of victim service agencies so that um, victims of, of violence are able to receive uh, counseling and um, support that way. Um, we also work with the uh, network of neighbors um, at, under the uh, Philadelphia Office of Emergency Preparedness to uh, respond to uh, certain traumatic incidents in order to uh, support a, a community. So, so a parent with children in something like the Philadelphia school system doesn't have to wait for the worst outcomes to manifest themselves. If their kid is nervous or in any way uh, being affected uh, uh, in their mental health uh, position, they can reach out to, to your office and get help. Absolutely. Our, our office is um, always available for um, to assist that family. And if it's all of our wheelhouse, we'll uh, make those referrals so they can get the proper support. How does that work? Through a hotline number? We we have a uh, our number um, that they can call. We're open Monday through Friday from eight thirty to five p.m. Um, and we can be reached at two one five six five six five three eight one. What would you say to someone listening who's uh, who has children in the in the school in the school system uh, about when's the proper time to call? I, I would suspect that some parents, you know. Just think a kid's got to tough it out. Is there any problem too small? Do you know what I mean? When, when, what would you say to parents who would say, what's a good time to call your office, for instance? Yeah, any time a, a, a parent even um, questions whether or not they should call, I would suggest that they just call. And um, we'll be happy to um, point them in the right direction or and or give them uh, advice, and we'll be able to better um, do an assessment to see if uh, the concern is something that we deal with or they should be working with another office at the school district or externally in order to address their concern. You know, and uh, before we take this uh, this uh, final break here, just one point about the, uh, the violence traumatizes anybody who's victim of it or witnesses, witnesses it, uh, but lots of the kids that you're advocating for bring a certain amount of trauma into the classroom with them, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Who 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 sees that and reports it to the, to the to the right people? I mean, kids are hard to figure out sometimes. How do you, how do you de- identify someone who's traumatized as they walk into a classroom? I'm I'm sorry. I'm having trouble hearing you right now. Was the last part of the question? It has to do with the trauma they bring with them. 
who, whose job is it to identify that? To teachers, parents, who, who, who do you look to hear from? Yeah, I know, uh, I think your question is whose job is it to identify trauma that uh, students may bring inside of the classroom? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I know, right, and I know that their uh, teachers are beginning to um, receive uh, training, uh, trauma-informed training to be able to identify um, clues or um, or behaviors that may be related to uh, uh, traumatization in a, in a child. They're also um, also um, I think uh, school police officers are um, beginning to be trained uh, as well in terms of being able to identify those issues so that it can be reported and the right supports uh, could be uh, given to that uh, to that young person. The school district has offices to uh, be able to uh, deal with those issues that are identified when it comes to trauma. They have a prevention and intervention office specifically um, designed to help address those issues. Uh, Roland Gahn is our guest. He's Safe School Advocate, Pennsylvania Office of Safe School Advocacy. He's our guest on Recovery Radio. We have another segment. Stick around. This is Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We have uh, been speaking with uh, Ro Ligon. Uh, Mr. Ligon is in the office of Safe Schools Advocate. He, in fact, is the advocate for safe schools for uh, the Philadelphia school system, as he told us at the beginning of the program. That's not too big a job. There's about 200,000 students that would fall under the purview of the Safe School Advocate. And uh, he has been with us talking about the efforts being uh, taken by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and uh, generally and specifically uh, the Philadelphia school system, which is which is what he takes care of. So, um, Ro, it's a big problem. The world is changing. It sometimes seems like the most dangerous time for all of us. Uh, children are certainly included in that. Where 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 do you see us with regard to making school a safer environment right now? Are we making progress? Um, I, I think the answer to that um, is, is yes. Um, we are making um, progress um, in terms of um, being aware, more aware of um, the issues and looking at this thing from um, a public health type of, of lens. Um, one of the things that uh, came out of um, recently, um, which came out of uh, some of the acts of violence is that the need for more social workers and mental health. And so um, the state, as well as the school district of Philadelphia, has responded to that call with um, adding more um, of those social workers. Now, granted, um, this is a huge issue that, you know, is, is not going to be solved overnight, and we need even more support. Um, I do think we are making uh, progress, though. Um, I think one of the important things to also uh, stress is that the need for um, increased communication um, as well as uh, relationship building between um, uh, families um, as well as our our, our school districts, um, I think that can um, be as preventative as any uh, anything else. What was most interesting and what I think what you just said was this shift in in thinking about the problems of both delinquency and crime and safety and violence in school is this move away from a strictly 
criminal justice approach. In other words, we'll lock we'll lock people up to solve this problem to, to one of a more, um, as you say, mental health issue. That's a very significant shift in thinking. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, we kind of uh, learned our, our our lessons through, or I like to think we've learned our lessons through. Uh, from the school-to-prison pipeline era, um, where um, oftentimes the response to some of these behaviors were um, to lock students up. Um, and uh, now I think the response is, uh, is more, are moving closer towards a more restorative type of approach um, to certain uh, incidents that occur in schools. You know, let's talk about what parents can reasonably expect from school districts or in general, you know, safe school advocates in particular. Too often, I think parents think, well, it's drop the kid off at school. It's now their problem. What can parents reasonably expect and what should they reasonably expect in the context of safe schools? Yeah, uh, sure. Um the uh, I mean, schools are supposed to be safe havens. Granted, um, the, there are issues that are going to arise whenever you have hundreds of children inside of a building. Um, naturally, um, I think reasonably, parents should expect that um, they're going to um, enter into a partnership with the school. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the school administrators are responsible for. Uh, the, the the safety uh, and well-being of the student once they they enter those doors. So um, they should be expect uh, parents should expect them to be safe there, um, as well as to uh, you know uh, uh, to, to to be able to have a, a open door policy to talk about any issues or concerns that may become that may come up, and that if issues do arise, that uh, they they will be. Um, address in a collaborative, uh, collaborative manner. Well, Rolagon, uh, thanks so much for joining us. As I said at the beginning, it should be obvious to anybody, this is a this is a big problem. You have a big responsibility. Pennsylvania seems to be, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, at least a little ahead of the curve in taking all of this very, very seriously. For uh, for for people who are in the immediate area where where you can hear this, the Philadelphia area, and have kids in the school system, what's that hotline number again? Uh, sure. Our our number um, here in the office, uh, we can be reached at 215-656-5386. 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, right? Um, yeah, we can be reached at, uh, I'm sorry, and I have a correction to the number. Uh, it's 215-656-5381. Uh, we can be reached uh, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, we also have a hotline number that they can access uh, 24 hours a day, which is one eight seven 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 three zero six three one five. 730 Rolagon, thanks so much for joining us um, on the program. We appreciate your time and your work. Take care. Everybody, thanks thank, a lot, Steve. You uh, too. Our, our pleasure having you. Take care, everybody, and uh, keep looking for Recovery Radio. Bye bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.